Hello everyone and welcome to the Boost and Gains podcast. I'm your host Cedric and today I have a very interesting, very special guest with me here today. Um, you might all know him on social media as Chief Chief Ellie. Yeah. Chief um, underscore Ellie. Chief underscore Ellie. But I refer to him as Prince and uh, my brother. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank you very much, Cedric, and thank you for having me. All right. So, I mean, Prince, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, with the start of the new year, I mean, what, what have you been up to? What's new? Is it is it you know, new year, new you, or, you know, same old Prince? What <laughs> you got going on? Yeah, I've never been a fan of New Year's resolutions, so I guess New uh, New Year, same Prince. Same Prince. All right. All right. Now, uh, Prince, um, the very first thing I wanted to ask you is, if someone was to ask you who is Prince, right? How would you answer that question? Is it like a sentence or just one word? No, just give me person? give me a sentence. How would you describe yourself? That's that's a hard question. Okay, so I, I I'd say Prince is um um. I'm just a dreamer, right? Um, uh, Prince is just. Someone who dreams a lot, uh, who has a goal of, um, of 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 hopefully achieving great things, uh, not in of itself, but hopefully that these great things be inspirations mm-hmm. um, um, to others. I mean, uh, uh, part of uh, my story is you know uh, not really having any inspiration mm-hmm. for a large part of my life. So mm-hmm. uh, being able to um, inspire others is pretty critical, and mm-hmm. I think uh, in doing. Uh, we can get to inspire others okay well that's 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 very good you mentioned that because that leads me on to the to my next question so tell us a little bit about your background like i know you know you're from ghana i'm from ghana like how was your upbringing in ghana and you know pretty much i just want a little bit of background on how you got to where you at yeah okay so um yeah i was born first kid at least to my mom's Mm -hmm. My dad had another kid that we didn't know of for a long part of my life. Um, but yeah, I was born, first kid um, um, uh, in the household. My dad traveled a lot for work. Um, he didn't make a lot, um, um, and, and he was out the country for the most part. Mm. I'd say between the ages of like six and um, and now, mm-hmm. um, I, I never spent more than um, a month with my dad in any mm. given year. Okay. So. Uh, I was lucky to see him a month. Usually, I'd see him every three years, and it would be like for a month because mm. he had to travel to make money and send over mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up very, very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, uh, my mom showed us a lot, though. She she sacrificed a lot. Uh, but one thing um, that uh, was part of my upbringing was the fact that I had to uh, learn responsibility at a very young age. Um, uh, and so, you know, African households now, uh, being the man of the house mm-hmm. uh, was not just a saying, it mm-hmm. actually was what it was, mm-hmm. like I was literally the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn, uh, learn uh, what responsibility meant and seeing my dad sacrifice uh, 20 something years of his life mm-hmm. uh, um, in the country that he probably didn't like or, or in conditions that mm-hmm. were not the best for him, uh, just to get us through. Um, was also uh, one of the things that I learned really early in life. Mm. So, at what age did you come here to America? I was twenty. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, now, in your, which, I mean, in your upbringing in Ghana, I mean, you mentioned like you came from a very poor background. Yeah. 
um you know if you don't mind can you elaborate a little bit on that you know if you don't mind yeah i mean uh, it was myself and um, um as time went on um it was myself and my sister mm-hmm. for the longest and then when i turned about 11 12 mm-hmm. um i had uh, another brother um um so i actually had to help uh, deliver uh, my little brother i remember going mm-hmm. to the hospital having to rush my run about a half mile mm-hmm. to the roadside get a taxi you know mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. uh we lived in a uh, um one bedroom unit mm-hmm. um all three of us at a time my mm-hmm. mom my little sister and uh and myself mm-hmm. uh, and, and not having to go get a taxi take it to one hospital uh, they couldn't take care of her they didn't have an ambulance mm-hmm. or we couldn't afford one mm-hmm. get another taxi in Russia to the main hospital mm-hmm. uh, sign paperwork so she could go get operated on and um, I had to do all of that at age 11 12 so wow. uh, like I said taking responsibility was pretty much like an early age I didn't have a choice mm. um, um, I, I didn't see it as a problem the funny thing is uh, it sounds like a big deal, but then it was not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was just my life. Like mm-hmm. it's just what it was. So, That's right. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, this is this is difficult. It's right. just it is just what it is. Just a way of life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at the age of twenty, you came to America. Yes. Yeah, so I won uh, the visa lottery, uh-huh. um, uh, and I came to America. Didn't have any uh, anybody, no friends, no relatives. I actually uh, the person that hosted that agreed to host me. Uh, was a friend of a friend of a friend mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, who lived in Atlanta, and that's how I ended that's up That's how you Atlanta. ended up here. Yeah. I see. Okay, so you came to Atlanta, and did you just, like, start college, or did you start working? How, how was that? Oh, no, I couldn't afford college. I mean, I came here with uh, under... I had 300 bucks mm. on me, but by the time I got to the States, um, I was left with uh, uh, barely 280, because mm-hmm. um, 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 I actually had to give money... Uh, uh, for transportation back home and whatnot mm-hmm. at the airport uh, before I came here, so I was left with two eighty when I got here. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I, the, the, my first week, I was told I had to get a job. I got here in October. Mm-hmm. I had to get a job uh, by end of year, else I'd get kicked out. So mm-hmm. um, my first point of focus was not going to school. Going to school, yeah. <laughs> it was getting a job. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I got a job as a temp mm-hmm. uh, in a warehouse. Um, um, uh, I got a job as a forklift operator, yeah. uh, even though I'd never driven uh, a forklift before yeah. in my life. Yeah. Uh, I, I I lied uh, and and uh, got the job. I went through the testing and everything. Mm-hmm. A funny thing, I remember the day we were getting tested on how to drive a forklift. Um, but prior to that, I was told, "Hey, you get trained on the job." Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just didn't sound right to me. So I, I asked a lot of questions around how to drive a forklift even though I've never seen one before. Mm-hmm. And I was told there are three levers and one goes up, down, one tilts, uh, uh, one tilts up and down, and then one moves from side left to right. Mm-hmm. So I knew that, uh, uh, that, and I knew the steering and, and those three levers mm-hmm. was all that you needed to know. And I, I didn't know I'd drive a car, I didn't know I'd drive a forklift. Um, 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 uh, I remember that day, uh, the instructor asked me to go first because I was first on the list. Uh, I, I, and I remember telling him, um, I, I have not done this in a long time because yeah. I lied on my resume yeah. that I used to drive forklifts back in Ghana at the harbor so uh, I, I'd never done it before mm-hmm. I, I told him I've, I've not done it in a long time and that uh, let's people go and, and I'll get refreshed and he, he agreed to it and um, after that I did it I knew I did it with a lot of mistakes it took, it took a lot of turns but I, I finally did it it was my first time driving anything mm-hmm. And um, 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 they noticed I didn't know how to drive, obviously. So but they, they didn't still give me hired a forklift. you. They hired me, but they didn't give me the forklift job. They gave yeah. me uh, 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 a job as a uh, 
uh, how you call it, line picker at the time. Okay. So I was basically picking items across the warehouse, okay. uh, picking parts, and you had to pick 200 lines, 200 parts uh, uh, every day. Mm. Uh, yeah, I picked about 380, 390. Mm. I know I remember I was setting records month after month after mm-hmm. month um, until I got hired full time. That's right. Yeah. All right. Now, this brings me to, or well, fast forward to the CarMax story because yeah. I think I, I knew we you yeah. before CarMax, but we probably didn't, weren't that close. Yeah. Um, but CarMax is where we really got to know each other. Yeah. And, you know, my story with CarMax is like, it was. When I got hired, it was a great place to work mm-hmm. because, you know, you would just go in, watch some training videos, and you get paid by the hour and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I remember at one point, um, at one point, they were short-staffed, yeah. right? And even though I was in training, yeah. they, you know, they came yeah. out like, hey, man, look, we got some customers waiting. Go ahead and help them out. And I remember going in and... You were still in training at the time. Yeah, I was still in training. And the customers, they pretty much knew what they want. So it was very easy for me to make, make some money. Mm-hmm. And so the first two, three weeks working at Comics, I was like, oh, man, this is nice. And I had a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So Comics was just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would mm-hmm. come out there, and I will make like 800 or uh, 1200 for mm-hmm. the for that week. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this is nice. Mm-hmm. But after the training, I realized that, look, this was a total, like something very, very different. <laughs> you needed to be a hustler yeah. in order to work there. Yeah. Now, I feel like that's where we really, really clicked because you were selling some cars. Yeah. You would be there like two, three days out of the week. And you were really, really selling cars. Yeah. Now, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your time at CarMax too? Yeah, I, I think much of my, 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 I think the CarMax thing was more so, I hate when people tell me I can't do shit, right? Mm. So the first time I, uh, I tried to go into CarMax was at the Stockbridge location here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I was told I was not good enough because I had an accent and I was African and mm. whatnot, right? And I kept chasing them for like uh, a good uh Two, three months. It took me almost six months to get the CarMax gig. Mm. So two, three months. And finally, they decided to post me to their small satellite store. They call it the satellite store. Uh, Would that store. be the one in Lithia uh, Springs? Okay. Yeah. So th- they posted me at Lithia Springs. That's mm-hmm. where we met. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so basically, I, I was not good enough mm-hmm. for the mega stores mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I, I didn't have any sales experience. I was not a sales guy. But quickly in, into uh, my tenure at CarMax, I, I realized something that I, I think it was like it was right in my face, but most people were not getting. I don't know what it was uh, for for most people, but I think for me it was like it was simple. A lot of people, like you said, knew what they wanted. They they knew they wanted a car. Mm-hmm. Like no one comes to a car dealership mm-hmm. unless they want a car. That's right. Right. So mm-hmm. they want a car, and for me that's like oh shit. I already have the customers mm-hmm. in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to go out there and look, look for the for customers. Them, yeah. So the rest is just trying to get them. You no. Know, to get a car and it's not about getting them to get a car i think i stumbled on um, uh, understanding that what i was there to do was uh, basically solve a problem so i needed to understand what they want were what, what their situation was what brought them there mm-hmm. and it was a genuine interest mm-hmm. right so every mm-hmm. customer was like a puzzle mm-hmm. so i was genuinely interested in why are you here like so what put you in here so what are you looking for in your next car mm-hmm. if like, forget all limitations forget price forget money forget all of that stuff Let's talk about you mm. and that car. What are you looking for in your next car, right? And I got to understood that I built trust, and they trusted me back in return, and mm-hmm. it became easy to sell after that. Yeah, so I, I don't know. For, for me, it was a bit hard to work as a car salesman because, I mean, sometimes you know I'll have customers and they'll tell me about what they're looking for in the car mm-hmm. and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like for instance, I had a customer who who told me that she wanted a uh, Chrysler 300 at the mm-hmm. time. 
and uh, she really wanted a sunroof in the car. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, you know, she was going to buy this car on the lot, yeah. but she would take it out and get it, get the sunroof chopped in because mm-hmm. there was no sunroof mm-hmm. um, for the one that she was looking at. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just my integrity would not let me do that. I, you know, I, I, I had to convince her that what she's doing is going to, like, devalue the, the car, car, right? Yeah. And so things like that, like, some of these people they don't realize they're thinking, oh, I'm gonna do this modification and, I think you're doing and this the right thing. And but they, but guess what? As a salesman, you're not gonna make no money. No, you will. Because what happened is the lady ended yeah. up not buying the car. So this is it. You will. It's how you do it, right? So for me, I'll be like, yeah, great. I I think that's nice. But do you know you're going to lose the value of your car? Mm. Nine times out of ten, she's going to be like, no, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, you lose the value of your car. Mm-hmm. Now let's let's step back. What is it about a Chrysler that you like? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I like the way it looks and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. I bet. What else do you want? Well, some of the things you like about your car. So I, I do some investigation, right? Mm-hmm. Just asking questions, right? And then I might find out that uh, you no, know, most people like Chrysler because it looks like there is a Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. you know, the grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that that will be a difficult hump to get over yeah. if that's her reason for it. Yeah. But if it has to be with like the way it drives, mm-hmm. it's smooth. Mm-hmm. I know enough about cars mm-hmm. to give her an alternative. Mm-hmm. That might happen. That's right. Sunroof. So it's it's all about finding alternatives. Mm-hmm. But I cannot find an alternative for you unless I understand exactly to the T mm-hmm. what it is that you're looking mm-hmm. for. And sometimes they don't know it. Like okay. I've had customers come in all day every day, like this is what I want, yeah. right? And they leave with something else mm-hmm. because as we start, you know, discussing and start gleaning information from him, him and I both start to realize that. It's not the car that you want. want. It's certain yeah. features that, that you, you actually yeah. didn't want. So you can and get it in something else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you do that by having them test drive a few cars. Yeah. You sit in with them. Like, I, I remember people come in and say, I want a BMW. I'm, I'm sorry, what, what do you like about a BMW? I like navigation. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I'm like, what do you think about Mercedes? Oh, nah. I'm like, do you like comfort? Do you like luxury? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like luxury. Like, well, you probably get a lot more luxury in a Mercedes. Mercedes. Oh, why do you say that? I'm like... So I tell them the, the, the steering is a little stiffer in a BMW compared to a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So it's basically education. Mm-hmm. So I educate them all over. Mm-hmm. And Next thing you know, you're getting a sale. They, it's trust. They, they so once you start doing Mercedes, stuff like that, yeah. I'm not talking about the sale. Mm. It's almost as if I'm not selling you a car. Mm. I'm just here to teach you. What about the customers that are coming in, getting approved on a finance deal, and it's like 20% or 25%, something like that. And yeah. I've heard like salesmen say, some of the salesmen say, "Look, this is the best. This is the best deal you're gonna get." You know. I mean, sometimes it is. It, I mean, it is, but twenty five percent. Yeah, I, I've sold a couple of those. I'm not gonna lie, and it's 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 really really fucked up. One thing that I do make sure that I I, I tell my that's how I got to that that's how I got started. You no, know, uh, studying uh, uh, credit, mm-hmm. and that's how come I got a lot of my information for the booklet that I mm-hmm. wrote on credit. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that I always did was. Hey man, this rate is jacked up. But it's the best we can offer you. Not to say it's the best you can get, but it's the best we can offer. It's the best we're offering you. There are things you can do to fix this. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that you can refinance this car in six months, but that's probably a lie. Mm. It will take you about 12 months to be in a position where you can refinance, refinance this. Right. Now the question becomes are you willing to eat the dirt, bite the bullet? Because you mm-hmm. probably need a car to go to work. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you willing to bite the bullet for that 12 months and take this high APR? Uh, for this 12 months to get yourself into a refinance situation. Mm-hmm. I found out that when you open up to customers and you tell them what is, mm-hmm. you still make the sale. Mm-hmm. 
but now you you're not making a blind you're not making a sale to someone who's blind. Mm-hmm. You arm them with what the tools they need to go out there and then fix their situations. I mean, I had a lot of repeat customers after you know you left mm-hmm. and I moved to the Stockbridge mm-hmm. location. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about customers with people that lived all the way in Lawrenceville and whatnot who came to Lithia Springs because yeah. it was closer mm-hmm. will drive all the way down south to come do business the trust, with me. The trust you, trust. you exactly. built with them. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so uh, we've, t- we've talked about you know our history with CarMax and whatnot. Um, just briefly go over, so from there, like what other companies did you join before you know leading you up to where you're at now? Yeah, so after CarMax, um, after, after CarMax, uh, I had an internship um, uh, as a security engineer with Norfolk Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for three months, all the while still in CarMax, all the while still going to school full time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing t- uh, 40 hours a week uh, uh, as an intern, um, doing um, uh, roughly about 20 hours, 15 hours. I mean, I, I wrote my own schedule. I sold so many cars mm-hmm. that I literally go to CarMax anytime I wanted, sell a car Sam, and leave. Yep. No one really bothered me yeah. much. So, so you hit in numbers. You, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, no one really bothered me. So I, 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 I sold whenever I wanted, but it was usually weekends. And then I, I went to school full time also um, during that time. But yeah, so Norfolk Southern was it. And then um, after Norfolk Southern, um, when, when internship was over, they would not hire me on. Mm. Um, so I went back to CarMax mm-hmm. and then went back to Norfolk Southern again for a second stint. Mm. Uh, again, um, uh, I got the indication that they were not going to hire me on. Uh, but at that time, I had enough experience. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I jumped um, uh, to um, 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 uh, a tech sales job, mm-hmm. uh, basically a BDR, business development rep, mm-hmm. um, selling um, cybersecurity solutions. And uh, with my uh, six months of uh, cybersecurity experience, um, uh, experience yeah. as an intern, yeah. uh, I was able to sell cybersecurity solutions. But I did that for about four weeks, four or five weeks. I was with Dell. Mm. Uh, I did that for about four or five weeks. And uh, I got an opportunity mm-hmm. um, uh, as an associate cybersecurity engineer. Um, and I took it because, uh, I mean, I was still in school at the time. Mm-hmm. I was still... I was a junior at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had all these opportunities coming while still a junior, so I took it and run with it. And mm. yeah, I never looked back since. Okay, so currently, what do you do? Yeah, right now, I like to think myself as a, uh, I think of myself as a money manager. So right okay. now, I basically um, I, I take money and I just uh, allocate it mm-hmm. to uh, 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 to needs that or uh, to assets, uh, different asset classes that potentially uh, will bring me more money and then I, I redo it again and then redo it again and redo it again. So basically, it's, no, I, I'm still working but just using money as a tool. No? Okay. Yeah. And how did you, how did you get into this, this industry? I really don't know. Um, so I got tired of uh, cybersecurity sometime um, two years ago, 2019, I got tired pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the corporate uh, politics was a little too much for me to deal. Mm. Um, I, I'd gone pretty high up, pretty fast. Um, I, I was an architect, senior engineer at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone pretty high, pretty fast. Uh, and, and I was basically running my own cybersecurity business uh, at the time. So I was sort of like contracting uh, as a cybersecurity engineer slash uh, architect. And I, I'd gotten tired of with the politics. So um, I had made 
quite a bit of money at the time I could live uh, a couple years and still be okay. So mm. I, I figured I'll quit and I'll figure out something else. Mm. So I, th- I think 10 months ago, you'd see on my Instagram where I said I retired. Um, and, and basically I quit. I didn't have a plan. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember the first two weeks was beautiful. Uh, my wife was happy because uh, I was not as uh, stressed. Mm. I was not as unhappy. Uh, but after two weeks, I, I began to get very frustrated with mm. my life. It's like, I, I'm a man of action. I'm always need, doing it. needed something to do. I needed something yeah. to do, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I started figuring out what I was going to do. I, I went through phases. I knew how to do an investment. Mm. I've always loved investment. Um, uh, as a kid, I had dreams uh, of being, uh, of walking, working on Wall Street one day, mm-hmm. uh, but not, that never materialized, obviously. Uh, and I just liked, no, I just like investment. I think people who uh, invested were like super smart people. Mm-hmm. So I figured, why not give it a shot? And so I started learning and and and, and learning and learning and learning and um, making my mistakes, my fair share of mistakes. I mean, I still make them. Mm-hmm. And today, I I manage um, assets and. Um, uh, we're looking to uh, start a fund uh, very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, just to sum it up, and please correct me if I'm wrong on yeah, this sure. one. You do work for yourself, though. Yeah, I work for myself. Okay, now. okay. Now, so that, actually, I was going to ask you a question about when you realized that you wanted to work for yourself. But I think you kind of hit that yeah. um, with yeah. with the point that you just made. Yeah. Now, the next question I have for you is, you know, I've kind of seen like a trend, especially here in America, mm-hmm where you know people just like everybody wants to be an entrepreneur they want to work for themselves they want to have their little business and i mean i don't think there's nothing wrong with trying to do that for yourself right but i think people also go in with like um they're just going with the right with the wrong mindset right just because someone else is doing it you know they're selling t-shirts with logos on them or Whatever it is that they want to do, right? Yeah. Other people look at it and like, hmm, if this guy can do it, I can do I can it do too. It too. Yeah. And they just get in blindly, not knowing nothing about business, right? Yeah. You know, I've seen, of course, on your Instagram, you know, you've started a few businesses that yeah. are still doing well. Yeah. What would you tell some of these people that, I mean, I, I wouldn't know what their mindset is with starting business, yeah. but as someone who's been in that industry, yeah. as a um, self-employed guy, yeah. What would you tell these these people coming in? So I I, I, I see that a lot too. And um, um, look, man, business is beautiful. It's rewarding, but mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. At least for me, it's been it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, a lot of people go into business without having any business skills or without understanding business. But before I decided to uh, um, start like to leave corporate America, mm-hmm. mind you, I've been I've been uh, I started quote-unquote a business in 2015 and um, I uh, did not have the funds I, was, I managed to raise I think about fifty thousand mm. uh, dollars without any business uh, um, uh, knowledge we were able to raise about fifty thousand dollars at a time and get this bus- uh, business up uh, we, we made a few sales uh, had to shut down we we're about to relaunch again uh, uh, but so I, I had some business experience okay. under my belt mm-hmm. uh, in corporate America I, I, I moved up pretty fast to where I was Preview to some of the business uh, 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 decisions that were being made and why they made some of these decisions. Mm. Uh, I worked for a startup, kind of like a very small company, which gave me a lot of insight into business. So I, I didn't just go in blind, blind. and yeah. that's what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Man, there's so many intricacies to business. Like I've, I've met people in the last few, several months 
who do not even know the average cost it takes to produce their products. Mm. Like, if you don't know the average cost of your product, how are you determining price? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. How are you determining the price you're selling it out? Mm -hmm. If you don't know, I, I, I get it, some, 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 some cost are variable, mm -hmm. but you should be able to somehow calculate all that into, you know, uh, right. into the product price. Uh, and so there's a lot of people who don't know shit mm -hmm. about business mm -hmm. and uh, they're hoping. I, I, I think the internet has made this thing where uh, there's a lot of glitter, uh, glitter online and glitter on, um, um, how you call it, uh, 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 on Instagram and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And people think it's that easy uh, without understanding the basics. Right. Uh, and, and so... If, if you're out there, you're trying to try business. I think business is beautiful. I think it's rewarding. Mm -hmm. It can be rewarding, uh, but you got to understand it's a lot of stress mm -hmm. and it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Next thing we want to talk about, I think you're very passionate about this, is finance. Yeah. Right? Uh, once again, I've been following you for quite some time now. You're very, very vocal on your uh, social media yeah. about finance, be it investing or even personal finance. Yeah. Right? You know, there's some things that you've put up on your social media that I personally kind of disagree <laughs> on, um, and there are some things that I'm that. like, huh, this is this is this is some good stuff, right? Yeah. Now, what am I talking about? Is like consumer debt. Yeah. You know, I've 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 seen you post about um, leveraging credit. Yeah. Um, I've talked to a few friends of mine that are doing very well, and mm -hmm. that's how they're doing it, yeah. right? They're leveraging credit now. I want you to talk a bit about that, like credit. Um, Credit, student loans, car payments, things like that, consumer debt. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, something I want to say, but okay. I, I kind of want to hear what you have to say on Wonderful. that first. So if, I'm, I'm just going to make some very blanket statements okay. here. And then depending on how deep you want it to go, you can, like, we, we, can, we can get it there. Mm -hmm. So blanket statements, one, avoid consumer debt. Mm -hmm. I hate consumer debt. Mm -hmm. You cannot, especially if you're trying to get rich, you cannot get rich. Mm -hmm from consumption. Mm -hmm. You get rich by producing, right? So anybody that gets credit, like if you have an 800 credit score, a 720 credit score, and you're sitting down and your 720 credit score is just so you can buy a house mm -hmm. to live in, which is consumer debt. Mm -hmm. It's stupid, right? It's just like having money in the bank. Okay. It's stupid. Uh, uh, if, 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 if your 700 credit score is so if an emergency hit, you can pay your bills Again, it's stupid. Credit in of itself is useless. Credit basically is trust. Now, what are you going to do with that trust? You want to leverage that trust to produce assets that produce income. Okay. To get assets that produce income. Mm -hmm. I think it's it, that's how I look at it. So I, I hate consumer debt, but I like leverage mm -hmm. that produces income. Mm -hmm. So any uh, any debt, any asset debt mm -hmm. that has the potential to produce income. Of course, you have to look at the risk, the downside, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But if you can uh, um, take debt and buy assets that will produce your income, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Okay. And I don't. So, there's no limit to that. So taking me. debt, buying asset, and producing from it. Yeah. Now, wouldn't you call that like a a, a risk that you're taking on? Of course, it's risk. Everything okay. is life, and life is risk. I mean. Okay. You drive your car every day. You're taking a risk. Right yeah. now, okay. This is what I think about what you, the statement you just made. Yeah. Right. I feel like there are people where, let's say, they have $50,000 in their bank account, yeah. right? They have it stashed up as an emergency or whatever it is, yeah. right? They have it put on the side. And they're like, huh, I don't want to use that money, but rather, let me go ahead and take some credit, right? Let me go uh, take out a loan, mm -hmm. buy this property, and um, see if this property can 
can um, produce income produce income for mm-hmm. me. So let's say if something was to go wrong with the property or the investment or some or, or anything like that, mm-hmm. they could go back, go back to whatever it is that they have saved yeah. and put it back in, and they're not so like deep in the hole if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But you know, in certain cases, I've seen people where they'll take loans out, maybe let's say a hundred thousand um, dollars, split it into five, buy five different properties, and bank on those properties making them money yeah what if the economy goes down what yeah. if there is i don't know something happens yeah then in that case you left with five properties to pay for yeah like what would you say about setting like that situation yeah so before i get before i even get to the answer to your question right or um, what i think is the answer to your question because uh, I, I by no means know it all like mm-hmm. i'm still learning this game right mm-hmm. i'm getting started uh but one thing uh i want to say is america was built on leverage mm-hmm. So, and you cannot get rich in this country called America unless you know how to understand, unless you understand how to play the game called leverage. Mm. Like everybody that has gotten rich used leverage. Mm-hmm. Think of all the big companies in America today from uh, 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 Amazon and Elon Musk, uh, 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 Amazon Jeff Bezos yep. and Elon Musk, SpaceX, mm-hmm. Tesla. These guys all use leverage to get to where they are. Nah, even, our, even our president, don't forget him. There you go. I mean, he's in the depths. I don't even consider him one of the rich people in, in this place. Yeah. But again, leverage. leverage. Yeah. Leverage is everything. Mm-hmm. So you cannot make anything mm-hmm. substantial mm-hmm. in this country without leverage. And leverage is a beautiful game if you know how to play it. Mm-hmm. It takes some getting used to, but once you get used to it, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Now, there is something called over-leveraging. Mm-hmm. And that's what you were talking about. That's right. So when you go buy five assets... When you don't even have the income to handle maybe six months worth of emergencies right. on all five, mm-hmm. then you are not leveraging. Mm-hmm. You're just being a fool. Mm-hmm. You're just being stupid, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, and and that's where banks come in. Banks should be stopping you from doing that nonsense because mm-hmm. that's what caused the 2008 crash, right? right? right. Where too many people who could not afford shit were right. getting that loans. Is, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think the problem is with leverage. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is with people. Mm. And I, and and this is the thing. I feel like there needs to be a a, a a fine line between your personal finances and how you're using these leverages for whatever Definitely. it is that you have going on. Because and you know when I tell my friends that I don't use no credit cards and stuff like that, they think I'm I'm crazy, right? And that's because of my past experience with them, right? Will I ever not use it? No, um, but. I don't know, just, you know, coming from Ghana and, uh, you know, we had nothing like credit cards and stuff like that. It, it felt like, and I think most people use this as um, something to fall back on, mm-hmm. right? So let's say uh, during the month you make $1,000, mm-hmm. right? But your expenses are $1,200. Mm-hmm. they will fall back on the 200 for 200 the for yeah. the credit. Yeah. And what happens is there is interest yeah. and you think, oh, I'm going to pay. I'm okay. going to pay. And all you, next thing you know, they're in a big mess, yeah. right? And that was my, that was like my credit experience. Mm-hmm. So I think as time went on, as I learned, like, that's not how you use your credit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, of course, paying everything off. I'm like, you know what? Right now, I just want to build enough fund, mm-hmm. uh, call it emergency fund, call it cushion, whatever it is mm-hmm. you want to call it. And then eventually get back into the credit game. Because, of course, people talk about, oh, you're missing out on the points. And, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? I'm like, you know what? Right now. That's not my concern. Okay. Um, I just want to be in a good position, and then uh, you know maybe one day I- I'll give it a shot. Okay. Now, uh, for you, how do you go about like even with your personal finance, like 
credit cards and stuff like that like how do you go about using them and whatnot okay i want to state that before i started before i learned this credit game mm-hmm. i got hurt and if you mm-hmm. read, read my booklet i stated it in there clearly i got hurt pretty bad like from using credit from using credit because okay. i was like you said i was using it wrong mm-hmm. and um, um i think if you don't make up to a certain income you shouldn't even try getting a credit mm-hmm. card but but people will tell you that if you don't have a credit card, how are you going to build that credit to buy that house? Uh, so wait, 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 wait. Let, let's take a step back here. If you are not making $20,000 a year in America, mm-hmm. $30,000 a year in America, you shouldn't be thinking about buying a house. Mm. Very true. <laughs> That's the first mm-hmm. thing. So if you're at that point, the first thing you should be thinking about is how can I make some more money? Mm-hmm. Right? You should think about gaining skills. That's right. And increasing your earning power, not buying a house. Especially if you're just going to live in it. It's mm-hmm. a liability. Mm-hmm. It's consumer debt. Mm-hmm. So why are you even thinking about it, right? So you were thinking about it wrong to begin with. If you're making $20,000, $30,000 and thinking about buying a house, you're hustling backwards. Mm-hmm. You should be thinking about earning more. More money. That's so right. you should think about gaining more skills mm-hmm. and finding the right jobs mm-hmm. that can pay you or businesses that can pay you money. That, that's it, right? So if you make under a certain amount of money, I think you shouldn't worry about credit. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be trying to get credit. If you make under twenty grand. I don't think you should worry about credit. Right. Don't get a credit card. Because mm-hmm. there's just, especially if you have a lot of responsibilities. If you're 20 living with your parents with very little responsibilities, you make 20 grand, maybe yeah. you can get credit. Yeah. If you're disciplined. But if you're uh, 20 living by yourself, you got bills, you may even have one kid, you're mm-hmm. going to make 20 grand. Mm-hmm. No, don't go for a credit card. Because chances are... You're going to fall back on that credit card. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But once you get to a certain income level where... No, you have enough money to take off all your bills. Mm-hmm. Then I think credit is very worthwhile and you should have credit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one thing you can do with credit, like what I do every month with my credit is, uh, I have two major credit cards that I use. Mm-hmm. And I use one for flight because mm-hmm. I get Delta Point. Mm-hmm. I only fly Delta, so I get Delta Point. Mm-hmm. And um, when I'm, I'm, I'm in Ghana, I spend a lot of my time at the Marriott. Like I sleep there like a month, two. So mm-hmm. I need Marriott Point mm-hmm. that helps me to, uh, to sleep there and subsidizes my bill. Mm-hmm. So... I have those two cards. Mm-hmm. The limits on them are quite large, but it, it's been built over time, mm-hmm. right? The limits on them are quite large, and I do all of my expense on it. Mm-hmm. So everything except for rent, because rent will charge you. Mm-hmm. I even pay my taxes with them, mm-hmm. right? So I use it for everything, and then at the end of every month, I pay it off in full. Mm-hmm. So basically, it is money that I already have. Mm-hmm. I know what my monthly bills are mm-hmm. every month, mm-hmm. and I'm just using the credit card just so I can get the points. Mm-hmm. So in effect... I am subsidizing my living, uh, my living mm-hmm. by using a credit card. Right. See, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of people probably don't understand how to use credit. Yes, you have And to of course, it. I was one of those yeah. people, right? Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I still am. That's why I'm, I'm staying away yeah. from it because until I get to really understand, like, the credit game, yeah. why put myself in that position, I get right? It. Um, and I think for you, you know, you have the discipline. You have the money. Like... If you had no credit card, you still will have to pay these like your 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 utility bills and exactly. whatever payments you have going on. Yeah. Um, but for most people, even if they have the money to pay their bills or they have money to eat out, right? They'll still go use that credit card, and at, at the end of the month, they won't make the you can, you they can't won't save make that the full person. payment. Yeah, that person you can't save them because look, the reason why credit card companies are in business is because of people like that. Mm. People like me, credit card companies hate. Mm. They don't like me. Because I don't make them any money. That's right. They don't charge me any interest. Mm. I don't pay any interest at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Actually, they, they give me points 
that I used to travel with and I, 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 I get to sit in the Delta lounges for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Amex lounges mm-hmm. for free. Uh, I get to fly first class all around the world. I probably don't pay nothing for it. Or mm-hmm. I pay very little for it because I use my credit card for everyday expenses mm-hmm. that I would have paid for anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if you have the discipline to do that, mm-hmm. which is I don't have the money, I don't spend it. Mm-hmm. Any bill that I have, electricity bill, water bill, uh, 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 monthly grocery bills, uh, I pay with my credit card. Insurance, mm. whatever it is, I pay with my credit card. Mm. Okay. It's it's that simple. Yeah, this is definitely a topic that I feel like we could sit here and talk for a whole hour, yeah. but I don't want to keep this going for sure. a whole hour. So we'll move on to the next thing, and I, I, we're definitely gonna be sitting down a lot more in the future, mm-hmm. and we'll, we, you know, we will definitely uh, talk more about this uh, topic. Now, uh, the final thing I wanted to, to touch upon is your time in Ghana, your time in Africa, um, the direction at which Ghana is going, the direction in which like Africa is going, like tell us, okay, and you know, when I came here today, you did mention that you were going to go back to Ghana, you know, uh, for some time. Yeah. Just tell us like, how was your experience there and there is this channel on YouTube you probably already know about Wadamaya. I don't know if no, you... Okay, so he's this Ghanaian guy who goes around Ghana, goes around the continent of Africa, meeting like different Africans mm-hmm. or actually different people from overseas, like African-Americans, mm-hmm. right? That have moved back to the continent mm-hmm. uh, doing incredible things, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, some, some of these things are very, very inspirational, very, very motivational, but... I also have friends that go back, like they really want to move back to Ghana. They really want to do amazing things in Ghana. But whenever they move, whenever they go to visit, they just call and they're like, yo, bro, I don't know this system, bro. I don't know if I can do it. And they would just come back to America, right? With you, you've been a few times Mm -hmm. and you're looking at going back. Like, what is it about the place that keeps making? I know it's home for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, We would love to see Ghana do good. And people, they always say like, how do you expect the place to do good if you're here, yeah. right? Um, but it's not as as simple. We, yeah. You know, it's not as simple as just packing up your stuff, just going and finding a job and, you know, making sure that the, the, the money that you're making is back in the system. Yeah. So for you, tell us how you're, you're managing all of this and what's your mindset behind, like, the, the direction which Africa or Ghana is going in. Okay. So before I, before I answer this question, I want to state this, right? The African man, in my opinion, is the most disrespected man. And when I say African man, I mean anyone with black skin, mm. is the most disrespected person on earth, period. Mm. Right? And until we own some true financial power, until we wield true financial power, we will continue to be marginalized and disrespected across the world. And there's no place that needs to hold and wield financial freedom like Africa. It starts from there. It starts from 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 the origin, from the roots. And so it's imperative that all well-meaning Africans, I mean, people of black origin, try and contribute Mm -hmm. to this financial emancipation Mm -hmm. that we so freaking need, right? So that's, let me throw that out then, why it's important for all of us to make that move. Mm -hmm. Now, going to Ghana, Ghana is, uh, and I can say that for Ghana and from some West African countries, Senegal, um, Sierra Leone, um, Nigeria. When you go to Ghana with an American mindset, you've already lost. You don't. When Africans move out here, right? Mm-hmm. 
We don't say, we don't, I mean, if you're an African and you move to America and you complain about the American system, chances are you will never make any money. You, you keep staying in that hole. If you come to America with an African mindset, you are not going to make any progress. You need to start thinking like Americans. You need to start understanding the system, how the system works, and use the system to your benefit. That's mm -hmm. what I do. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in Africa. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Africa, you have to rewire how you think. You have to understand the system and understand how people move. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the inefficiencies in the system and the efficiencies in the system. And then using the knowledge that you've gleaned from your experience outside of Africa, you can bridge that gap. Mm. You get it? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us claim that we're going to Africa to help and we go there and we, we complain. Like I complain a lot. Like the banking system is crap. Mm. Uh, 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 customer service is crap. I complain workforce. Mm -hmm. To find good labor is really, really difficult. I complain a lot, but I'm not complaining so I can leave. Mm -hmm. I'm complaining so I can make a change. I can mm -hmm. make a difference. So that how do you make that change? It's simple, right? Like, for instance, like myself with my employees, right? I have employees back home right now that prior to joining us, they had a very limited understanding of what they're capable of, right? Their skill sets was very very limited because they were put in a box of this is all you can do based off of who you are your class and whatnot now i try very much with my business mm -hmm. uh, back home to give everybody an equal footing right and to involve them as much as possible in the decision making process what that has done is for a lot of these people we've started to we started to get ideas that otherwise would never have been verbalized mm. right and they're starting to see themselves as more than. Mm -hmm. This can only go a long way, right? I don't care if this person stays with my company mm -hmm. and contributes mm -hmm. to the company. If this person leaves, this person is even a better person, mm -hmm. right? That's a contribution. That's a worthwhile contribution, That's right. right? So, so there are so many things that we can do to make that difference. As an entrepreneur, I'm going to go there thinking about like businesses and how I can make changes, changes that are so subtle that the people are not going to revolt against it. Because mm. people will revolt to change, Ghanaians mm -hmm. especially. Yep. They will revolt to change. So it has to be subtle enough to where people don't revolt or it has to look so nicely packaged that they don't see it as change mm. until they start to like it. Because mm. they are going to like it, mm -hmm. they just don't know it. That's right. So it, it, it takes a, a bit of patience and a bit, a, a bit of creativity mm -hmm. and a, a genuine want to help mm. beyond the dollars. I see. I think a lot of us are thinking about dollars. We think about making a quick buck. It, 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 it should be more than the dollar. It should be more than making the money. Mm. All right. Well, I think there is more that I want to touch upon when it comes to uh, Africa. Yeah. Right. Um, but we should save that for uh, another episode. Yeah. And uh, once again, guys, I mean, once again, Prince, how can people find you on social media? Yeah, so my social media is Chief underscore um, Ellie. Um, so it's C-H-I-E-F underscore E-L-L-Y. Um, uh, that's all my social media, Twitter, um, um, uh, I think Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, all of it. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's that. Um, um, if you ever wanted any great African stuff, uh, uh, my shop, my online store is opening back up. It's urbanafreak.com, U-R-B-A-N, uh, like urban, mm -hmm. and Afrik is A-F-R-I-Q.com. Um, um, and we have customized, custom-tailored, handmade 
uh, African products using only genuine Af uh, products built, made, manufactured in Africa, tailored, custom made to you, um, shipping in 48 hours um, over to you here in the United States and all over the world. All right. And you did mention about your credit uh, book. Yes. Yeah, so I have a booklet. Uh, it's, it's on my profile um, on Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, and on Twitter. Um, it's free. You can go out there and download it. it it's my way of giving back mm. uh, to the community. And, and, and it basically outlines uh, my experiences with credit and, and how to build credit. Uh, I, I call it credit. Uh, it's not rocket science. Mm. Because really, it's not. All right. Well, uh, guys, there you have it. Once again, uh, Prince, I really, really appreciate you being on this podcast. Uh, definitely, I know we're going to see you on here. There's so much that I want to talk to you about. Already, we're like 45 minutes in, and I try to keep it at like 30 minutes, yeah. right? Um, so much I want to talk to you about, you know, in the aspect of like finances, your hobbies. We didn't even get to your what you do for fun. Yeah. Um, uh, Ghana, Africa, like I said, the direction which uh, the whole continent is going yeah. in. Um, I don't know. If, opportunity. Yeah, so... I think that should be a special series. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to learn a lot from from you, yeah. um, like why you going to Ghana, what you have going on, and things like. I don't. I don't think we were able to cover it in this episode, but yeah. we will definitely sit down again, and I can cover this. Sounds uh, good, that. brother. And thank you for having me. I feel honored. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I'll see y'all in the next.